Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. A special two-hour edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Kelly and Luke are in downtown Laurel getting ready for the big annual Lob Lolly Festival. Bob Getty, I'm back here in the Southern Bank studio in Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us. Got a two-hour show for you. Lots of great guests. Scott Watkins with the Biloxi Sun Herald. Former NFL star Chris Mangum going to be on the set with the guys. Ulrich Young, former quarterback at Southern Miss. Ted Alexander is the play-by-play voice of Old Dominion, the opponent of this uh, weekend's homecoming game. So we're glad you're with us. Opening segment of the show, of course, sponsored every day by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We love those guys. Love the food. And uh, it would it would be a great place for you to call today and cater your homecoming tailgate. Dickie's Barbecue here in Hattiesburg. All right, as I said... Luke and Kelly are on location in beautiful downtown Laurel. It's really such a cool place. The big train just went by. And, Luke, before we get to Southern Miss Sports, uh, Lob Lolly this weekend, for people that may not know, what is the Lob Lolly Festival? So Lob Lolly Festival, Bob, good afternoon to you. Um, it's been going on uh, over a decade here in downtown Laurel, the first Saturday of every October. It's basically uh, just kind of a, a massive downtown uh, festival uh, they'll have over 200 vendors this year, uh, some of those from even out of state, lots of local stuff, stuff for the kids, uh, multiple blocks full of, of food, which always excites me. Um, they have a chainsaw artist who's carving things out of, out of, uh, with chainsaw from wood. All kinds of stuff, be music, and uh, we're here right now on the yard outside Laurel Mercantile, kind of in between the Laurel Mercantile Scent Library and the Laurel Mercantile Store. Uh, right where we are, there'll be a massive stage with music all day. It goes from 9 to 4. Um, again, this is part of Laurel Main Street, and even before Laurel became on the map nationally, there was a movement in this town to... You know, to uh, to revitalize downtown, and Lob Lolly is one of those things every year that that allows uh, people in the community to celebrate Laurel um, from the out to people from the outside. Well, good deal. It's a great city, great place. Uh, where my daughter was born, I'm uh, happy to say, and uh, uh, my wife and I are very very affectionate about the city of Laurel. I know it'll be a great day down there. Man, it's just a neat place downtown for people that haven't been. Luke and Kelly, it's it would really be hard to explain what a wonderful job. Uh, uh, the folks in Laurel have done with revitalization of the downtown area, probably the coolest downtown area in Mississippi now. 
It's uh, you know it's something that started back in 2000, I think 2005 or 2006. Uh, you know, even 10 years before, Laurel got a television show and a lot of national interest. And you know, Kelly, you coming down here and you were at the station a little earlier and driving down. It's amazing what what people can do when they band together for their community. And it it kind of reminds you of uh, of the old Andy Griffith show where you got people all hours of the day walking and perusing the yep. stores and kind of like it was back in the 60s and 70s. And, of course, a lot of that is because of the notoriety that the TV show has, has brought the town. So tourists, uh, we were setting up today, Will the Thrill Tony was setting up the, the program and some people from, from Iowa were actually sitting here at our at our tent enjoying their lunch uh, on their way back uh, from cruising the coast this weekend. But they were they had to make and a stop in Laurel. Just, just to we'll we'll talk about this a little later. Um, but we announced uh, this morning on Good Morning Jones County, Laurel Mercantile announced that the Bush sisters, Barbara and Jenna Bush, are going to do a book signing here at the Scent Library. We're looking at it right now, Kelly, in downtown Laurel. They're coming in on November the 11th. There's still some tickets available for that for listeners. Um, yeah, the the actual. You know, daughters of uh, George W. and Laura Bush will be in downtown Laurel. They'll be filming some stuff for the Today Show as well. So, Bob's pretty crazy when you think about all that happening here in Laurel. Really cool. And uh, we're going to have one of the stars of that show in the WLAU studio Friday, I believe. And uh, WLAU is going to be part of a, of an episode coming up. Isn't that right? Yeah. We'll, um, Aaron Napier will be interviewed yeah. by Will Tony on Friday. And should be be really exciting. And, you know, it's just... As somebody who's you know known um, their family and Aaron for a long time, it's just you know once a time. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, known them. I remember when Aaron used to play guitar at Day in the Park growing up. So there we go. Pretty cool. But uh, Bob, you guys mentioned it yesterday um, as I was out. But uh, a statement from from Jeremy McLean yesterday, and let's talk about that for a minute. Bob, big announcement tomorrow. Jeremy's on the show as well, right? Yeah, Jeremy will be joining. Uh, I'll be out. You two guys. He'll be joining you guys tomorrow at one forty. And uh, you're right. He put this statement out a little unusual. So let me go to you guys. What do you make of it, Luke? So, yeah, let's just kind of read the paragraph. So it it announces, the good news is, announced a a record fundraising year. Uh, Eagle Club members just under 3,000, giving $2.3 million. Um, They are getting ready for a strategic uh, facility release, just not yet ready for, quote, public consumption. Um, he did acknowledge, as we've talked about before, Kelly, the the spots in the executive administrative staff with the you know the deputy AD position, and others, um, and then, of course the Hall of Fame ceremony that's coming up in November. But Kelly, before I read it, I mean this was pretty interesting how he opened the the letter. And and I, the way that I interpret this is that he's tr- I think that he's just trying to get his telephone to calm down a little bit. A lot of people, to me, the way that I read it is that a lot of people have called concerned about the way the football team has gotten started they have not achieved up to expectations so far and i think by putting out this message he can put out a lot of little fires by telling people look i hear you i've gotten your messages you don't need to call me i don't live in a cave i know what's going on i know we haven't played up to expectations yet it came out uh, on monday afternoon this was the paragraph really that has a lot of people you know, buzzing about. Unfortunate quote. Unfortunately, football season has started much slower than many of us had hoped, and I know there is frustration for our fans, our staff, and our student athletes. The importance of being successful in football is not lost on me or anyone associated with the university. So we will continue to work to get it right. In the meantime, I want to say thank you to those who have continued to show support even when it isn't easy. And then he went on to say that this Saturday provides an opportunity. But I, th- I think, as you said, Kelly, the the key there is the 
being successful in football is, quote, not lost on me. Meaning it's important. I get it. But, again, the, the circumstances that that revolve around the Southern Miss athletic program might, is a lot different than at Ohio State or Southern Cal or some of these uh, situations. I, and I'm sure that I'm sure he and and Will Hall speak regularly. Yeah, and and Bob, the the thing for me is so many people took that as a almost like a notice to Will Hall that he's on a hot seat. And I don't. I, know. I didn't. I didn't take I it that way. I didn't either. No. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't I think, think Will. Hall, I don't think. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, guys. I, I don't think Jeremy McLean puts a head coach on notice through a public release. Like that's not the way that he's ever operated, and he and Will have a great relationship. And more than anything, like you said, Kelly, it's just a, it's an acknowledgement to the fan base. Hey, we should be better than one and four. And guess what, Will Hall says we should be better than one and four. And it's just an acknowledgement from the top that um, that that he understands that. And and if you go back to other instances at Southern Miss where fan the fan base has been really ready to pull the plug on a coach, you don't have to look any further than than Jay Ladner. And and on our show. You know, we we didn't say that Jay Ladner should or should not have gotten the fourth year. That's not our call. We simply said when you looked at Jay Ladner's resume of work, every place he had been, the fourth year was the year that things seemed to get turned around everywhere he went, and it had been nowhere but onward and upward since then. That certainly appears to be the case now with the Southern Miss basketball program. So there's a case where, you know, Will Hall's got, you know, another there, – there's no sense in even – but we'll all admit, and and Will would say this too. He he said that th- we were going to be good this year. You know, I remember a couple years ago. Hey, get us when you can get us. Year two will respond. You don't want to play us in, in year three. And so people had expectations. But you look at the last two weeks, especially last week, 500 yards on offense. It's just been when will the offense and defense play the complete game together? And I, I think I think Will. Especially with this year, I think he thought that they would, as we all thought, would be, you know, possibly three and one, four and one, or four and two at this point. And he said on the show the other day that doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is a definition of insanity. But he's made some changes. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get more into that with Scott Watkins in, yeah. in the next segment. But Bob, yeah, it looks like they are making yeah. some changes, particularly along the offensive line. Well, I think that's probably due. I'll say this. I don't think for one second Will Hall's on the hot seat, and I think all the critics just need to tone it down. I mean, Will Hall's not going anywhere, and uh, you got to give the man, uh, you know, got to give him an opportunity, I think, to get this uh, thing back on the right track, and, and, and I feel like he will. Hey, I want to thank the uh, Jones County Board of Supervisors, South Central Regional Medical Center, and Hellfighters USA for sponsoring our two-hour Eagle Hour this afternoon in downtown Laurel. I think we're going to be hearing from uh, from someone from the Board of Supervisors a little later in the show, as well as the Laurel Main Street uh, folks. Carolyn Burke, I believe, and Daniel Ashley also scheduled to make an appearance on the show. But next, Scott Watkins from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. We'll talk about those changes that we're going to see Saturday night when the Golden Eagles take the football field. More from downtown Laurel on the Super Talk Eagle Hour right after this.
Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back, everybody. Glad you're with us on this Wednesday afternoon, two-hour edition of the show. We're in downtown Laurel, getting ready for the Lob Lolly Festival, and uh, that's where the guys will be until 3 o'clock. I want to thank the Jones County Board of Supervisors, South Central Regional Medical Center, and Hell Fighters USA for making today's uh, Super Talk Eagle Hour show in downtown Laurel possible. All right, Scott Watkins has become a familiar voice on the Eagle Hour. He is the sports writer, of course, for the Biloxi Sun-Herald and uh, covers Conference, uh, Conference USA, covers the Sun Belt and uh, Southern Miss. Scott, he does uh, not cover no, Conference, Conference USA. USA. I don't think actually anyone covers Conference USA anymore. But, Scott, uh, we look like we're going to see some changes starting on the offensive line uh, Saturday night. Uh, what do you anticipate we're going to see? Yeah, we're, we're seeing uh, a lot of shifting around of the offensive line in an attempt to better the pass blocking of that unit, which has been, uh, well, it's, it's been awful. It's been genuinely terrible. Um, that a lot of these guys that they have uh, run out here, as, as Hall has said, they're a run blocking team and not a pass blocking team, which is a bit weird for uh, a coach who has repeatedly said that he wants to uh, create a quarterback driven offense. And it's kind of just been the opposite of that. And you have guys like uh, Bryson Mays and John Bolding and Kyron Barnes who are having just the worst. They're not maybe not the worst, but they're, they're just having terrible seasons. I mean, all three of those guys have allowed over 10 pressures each uh, through five games. And it's just been, it just has not been the start you're looking for. So you get guys like Gabe Cavazos who's going to get an opportunity. He has one of the best pass blocking grades on the team. He's given up one pressure and 31 opportunities, which is uh uh, a big improvement over uh, some other guys. You're going to see Matt Riles get an opportunity as well. He hasn't had a ton of uh, uh, chances either, uh, but he's been pretty good as far as uh, both blocking for the run in the past. So just any type of attempt to give Billy Wiles a, a few extra milliseconds really in that pocket because that's just been the downfall of that unit. And they've played really well. I, I don't I don't think that should be like overlooked. They've played really well over the last two weeks. I mean, 37 or 36 points. But the pass blocking has led to mistakes. Mistakes like interceptions that are leading to quick fields, short fields for the, uh, for the opposing team. We saw that against Arkansas State. We saw that against Texas State both times in the, in the first quarter, I believe. You've got to rectify that, and shifting up the offensive line is the first step. Yeah, we've talked about it, Luke. You can blame the quarterback all you like, but the quarterback can't throw from his back. And in the case of Billy Wiles, he's just under so much pressure, he just hasn't had a lot of time to throw the football. Yeah, one of the things you've kind of seen with with Billy is he's throwing off his back foot. And sometimes there won't be as much pressure, but it's the pressure that he feels early in the game that causes him to – to feel like you know he's throwing, running away. We we do know, um, of course, Cavazos transferred from Mississippi State, he's from Lake Comorant. But uh, but Scott, we do know that Billy Wiles trusts Matt Riles because uh, Matt Riles is the one that fed him wards, and so Billy Billy took that. But yeah, do you do you see Cavazos being at the left tackle position as as almost like a statement? Because I mean, that's for a right-handed quarterback. I mean that that's got to be the one of the best linemen's got to go there. Yeah, I absolutely do. I mean, Will Hall didn't really didn't really mince words at practice. Uh, significant changes are on the way, and that's a very significant change. I mean, Kyron Barnes has been uh, not Division One level at, at any point this season, and uh, Bryson Mays has awfully he, he struggled on that side of the of the line, so he moves over to right tackle. 
That's a statement. I mean, you absolutely need coverage on that end, and Cavazos has done well with the opportunity, so I think that he's earned this chance to uh, see what he can do for this offensive line. So, Scott, you mentioned the last two weeks the Eagles, you know, putting up 36 and 35 points or, you know, enough should be enough to win a game. But uh, and we noted the changes on the offensive line, but the defense, the defensive numbers are porous and uh, and one of the you know statistically one of the worst defenses in the country. So what's up there? They are getting torched on the back end and it's hurt the front seven because this is a front seven that's not really meant to stop the run. Uh, it's meant to get pressure on the quarterback, and uh, they kind of reverse engineers to a, a playmaking secondary. But that that secondary has it's been gutted a little bit as far as the reserves, and uh, it's it's thin. They gave up a lot of big plays last year, and they're giving up even more this year. Teams are able to they're able to run the ball. I think Southern Miss is actually dead last in in rushing defense in the Sun Belt right now. Uh, they're not last or even close to last in passing defense, but it doesn't matter. Teams are very efficient. At throwing the football in there, and they're breaking a lot of big plays there. There's there's just a disconnect at every level of that defense at the moment. They're not creating pressure, and it is not stopping the run, and it's leading to big plays over the top set up by chunk runs of five, seven, nine yards here and there. It's, I think it's largely schematic. I don't know if you can do much as far as the personnel goes. What they have is what they have. They have, they have nowhere else to go in the secondary with the guys that you, out, that you see out there that's that's who you got. And so this is something that they're going to have to get in the room. They're going to have to get in the film room. They're going to have to game plan a little bit better going forward. Hmm. So when you put the Eagles depth chart next to the Monarchs depth chart, where where is Old Dominion most problematic in your view? Uh, they are weirdly explosive, uh, which would be the, the issue. They, they go four wide a lot, uh, which would really put a lot of pressure on Southern Miss. But the good news is that if there's anybody that you can uh, – you can kind of game plan to get aggressive against. It is Old Dominion. They've given up just an absurd amount of sacks. Uh, if if you think that Southern Miss has allowed a lot of sacks, which that number is 12 in, in five games, Old Dominion has given up 27 in five games. It is unreal. The next closest in the Sun Belt is 15. I think it's Troy. Um, it's it's an awful, 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 just a truly t- tremendously awful offensive line. And this is a chance for that front seven to really pin their ears back and get going. But as we saw against Marshall last week, Old Dominion was able to break a ton of big plays on third and long. Uh, Old Dominion, I think I saw their average third third down distance for the year is like eight yards. So this is something that they're used to. They're, some, they're, they're used to creating those explosive plays because they have to. And so that's something that is going to be, I think, the biggest thing to watch on Saturday is that, that third down situation when Old Dominion has the ball. And I'll tell you, Scott, Southern Miss needs to improve its special teams play as well. Block punts, giving up uh, touchdowns on kickoffs. Those are those are just back-breaking things. And I, I think when you when you looked at Southern Miss at the start of the year, you thought, well, they're going to be really good defensively. They'll be solid uh, in the special teams. But special teams have, have been troublesome as well. Yeah, I remember looking at my Phil Steele before the year began and uh, reading about the ebb and flow of special teams. And typically when a team has a great year or a great couple of years, that's a setup for a down year. And that's kind of what's happening at Southern Miss. Uh, the place kicking has absolutely been there. Andrew Stein has been pretty good this season. They're losing a lot every time they punt the football. It's, it's a seven-yard difference roughly between last year. The kick coverage has been abysmal. Uh, kick return has not created any explosives. I mean, they're getting beaten just about every single phase. And it's really starting to add up. You don't typically see special teams add up a lot, but this program knows just how much it can. After last year, it worked 
in their favor in so many games. This year it's working to its detriment a lot in just about every single game. So that's, that's certainly something that they have got to continue to work on. Luke? Scott, a um, couple more questions. Texas State may be the best team in the West right now? They might be, man. They actually might be. Uh, it's so weird to think about, but uh, they looked they looked explosive for one quarter. I mean, they struggled against Southern Miss in the second, third, and fourth quarter, really. But uh, they look pretty good. They've got uh, you know TJ Finley looks phenomenal. He's probably the Sunbelt Player of the Year front runner after September at this point. Uh, they, I'm honestly I'm not impressed with really anybody in the West. South Alabama has been such a letdown. Uh, Troy does look pretty good defensively, yeah. better than I thought they would, but uh, their offense still I don't trust it. Uh, everybody in that, everybody on this side of the division is very much beatable. I, I don't think that there's one game between any two pair of teams on this side that you can point at and say, yeah, that team's going to win. Scott, um, you had tweeted about this as well, and this may be the last uh, question we get to you. You, Jerry McLean's press release, you and your tweet highlighted the quote, the importance of being successful is in football is not lost on me. We kind of talked about it last statement. We didn't feel like this was a Will Hall is on notice quote. This was more a Jeremy McLean is aware of what the fans are feeling statement. How, what was your takeaway? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do not think that this was something that – I don't think it was a message that we are watching Will Hall or Will Hall is on the high seat now. I think that it was – a, uh, it, it was just kind of an acknowledgement of the frustrations that a lot of fans have been tagging Jeremy McLean on Twitter. Uh, there's a lot of uh, just a lot of frustration all around, which is you know warranted, of course. But uh, I think this is a great move by McLean. Uh, there's not a lot of athletic directors that are going to openly you know talk about this and be open with the fan base. But he's one of those guys, and for him to to come out and say that, I think is really important. Uh, because uh, obviously football is the front porch here at Southern Miss and everywhere else, so it's good to have an AD that is going to be open and, and, and let the fans know that he is aware of what's going on and he's aware that what's happening isn't really acceptable at the moment. All right, Scott, we sure appreciate your input. we got to get you on the set in person where you can see how good-looking all of us are. You really don't know, do you, Scott? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I do not know. <laughs> you got to be disappointed. got to come around. you got to be disappointed. All right, Scott, thank you, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate and, you. And, and, he was so he was so positive and optimistic today, Bob. Too, he might have to come in with a, a rubber nose and plastic glasses. And a... <laughs> thanks, Scott. It's amazing how disappointed people are when they actually see us, right, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, big letdown. Uh, Chris sure. Mangum is next. This is for radio. Yeah, former NFL star that looks like he could go this Sunday. He's next on the set with the guys in downtown Laurel. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, everybody, welcome back. The guys are in downtown Laurel getting ready for Lob Lolly 2023. Two-hour edition of the show sponsored today by the Jones County Board of Supervisors, South Central Regional Medical Center, Health Fighters, 
USA. I want to thank Scott Watkins from the Biloxi Sun Herald for joining us earlier in the show. Hey, great to have a return guest, Chris Mangum, a former national championship player, University of Alabama, played at Ole Miss, and then had a great career in the National Football League with the Carolina Panthers, and now with Magnolia State Bank. Chris, always a great pleasure to have you on the program. Kelly's Bengals are struggling, and I believe you can still play, Chris. Maybe you would be the answer up in Cincinnati. Now, thank you guys for having me. That I, I don't think I can still play. Maybe one play, just one running play or something. But other than that, I think I have I have turned 50 this year, so I'm officially done. And, and Bob, yeah. you you failed to mention the team that he's probably most proud of, the McGee High School Trojans. That's yeah. right, yeah. right. That's right. That's McGee right. Trojans. They uh they, they had a win last I think a week or so ago. They beat Tablesville. Their first their one. first one. Yeah, so, exactly. You, you'll, I, I, this is the research department of the Eagle Hour. His senior year, Chris Mangum. Tackled, made 113 tackles as a senior. That's on the interwebs. If you didn't know that, that's I did not know that. <laughs> wow, wow, he did. So how, Four how, sacks, so, two interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and 113 tackles so as a senior. Chris, how Congratulations. You, how did you become a tight end? Well, I, I did play tight end in high school as well. I think. Uh, in junior high, they may have tried me at quarterback for about a week, and then they figured I couldn't throw the ball very well. So with my size, it was kind of a natural fit. So that's it's been a uh, McGee. Look, McGee's a special place. And growing up, I mean, it was Simpson County Super Bowl back in those days, Kelly. I yeah. mean, we just McGee uh, versus Mendenhall. McGee versus Mendenhall. It was. Uh, now I know they've had some down years, but there's still some um, some great football. We recently learned about the funerals that take place on Thursday. You know where they bury the Trojan and they bury the Tiger. That got brought up to us in the Simpson County Super Bowl. I mean, it's just it's a, people don't realize. People talk about the Jug game. People talk about others, but I mean that one's almost 70 years now. Where it is? It is. It is the bonfire the night before the game. All of it. So it, it's a big rival. I don't. I don't know. They used to play at the last game of the year. Now it's kind of earlier in the season, so it's probably lost a little bit of that luster. But still, there's a lot of uh, it's a big rival for sure. Now, you know, Bob, we've had Chris Mangum on the show before, but we've never gotten to ask him about the NIL deal that he got <laughs> at Alabama and then Ole Miss. Can we talk about that now, Chris, even though it was 1990 or whenever it was? It was a, uh, I, you know, I, we talked about NIL a little bit, just uh, going back to, I guess, the way it's changed recruiting. It's nothing like it was when I played, for sure. I mean, obviously there were, you know, you knew people, you heard of rumors of people getting, start, you know, certain a vehicle here or there or money here and there. But man, now it's just legal, and it's uh, it's it's turned into a semi-pro sport or it's like a minor league system for the NFL. He got a full athletic scholarship with dorm and books and room. That's what he got. <laughs> so, Chris, what do you think? Now, Chris, of, what come, do you come. think about the NIL situation now? I, I mean. I, what would you do if you were asked to, for your input on it? My input, I think there has to be some type, there has to be caps and there has to be some regulations on it. I don't, you know, I do I do think players should get paid for their name, image, and likeness. I mean, there are, colleges are making a tremendous amount of money on these athletes, so I have no problem with them making up to a certain point because they're getting a free education. They are, um, you know, they're still playing under the umbrella of the school name. And so, but some of this is just completely out of control. Some of these guys are making more than actual coaches on the field. I mean, so that's that's a major issue. And how do you do that? It's got to be government government regulations on it. Somehow they they can't even pick a speaker of the house right now. Right. But other than that, taking care of NIL is probably long down the laundry list for them. But uh, it has to somewhere at some point there has to be some limitations and caps put on it. And and you can even see at the college level because they are legally adults. 
But now you're seeing this stuff trickle down into high schools, where high school kids who are not adults by the law getting this stuff. That's where I think yeah. you really get into trouble. Yeah, I just think you got to draw the line at somewhere. And, I mean, um, honestly... I don't even know how to respond to that because it's so far no. at, out of what you comprehend and what me, me going through what I went through. It's a, a natural point. progression, it though. Is. But yeah. the problem is, is again, you're, you're talking about children in the eyes of the law where college players are legally adults. Yeah. That, to me, should be the absolute drawing well, where you draw the line. Yeah, and ultimately, someone's taking advantage of that child. Yes. Like someone down the road is getting their pockets lined and they're getting something out of it which is not fair and they're using the kid in the even if way. it's their own parents yeah which that has happened you know before. talking to uh chris mangum former tight end for uh, alabama Ole miss carolina panthers but the uh you one thing that that i was looking back at the stats i didn't realize that you actually on the same roster as warren moon huh really you weren't. I don't because think you I played was. against him, right? I played against him. Your first game, this is where I this is where I'm going with this. Your first game, uh, where you caught a touchdown huh? was against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. And Warren Moon was the backup quarterback. Wow. And I was just like the other day, I was just funny, you're just playing Tecmo Bowl back in the day like we used to do at the dorms, you know. You look at a when you played, you were you were the, the right the generation right before me. So you were still able to some of those guys that you looked up to, the posters on your walls, when you would look over there at uh, at, at Warren Moon and, and the guys like that, I mean, what was it like warming up and going up, shaking their hands and talking to them in person? I mean, just think about Reggie White. I mean, there's just a long, a long list of great players in the NFL, and you're right. I am, thanks for aging me again. It made me feel really <laughs> – You you it, said it I earlier. Know, it's I know. I, free game. I, I'm a proud 50-year-old <laughs> at this point, but it's always good to get it turned one more time against me. Uh, but, no, it's a uh, – you're right. And, you know, and I didn't even know that honestly he was back up to Gerbach yeah. when you were y'all were playing against the Chiefs yeah um so this is I was very fortunate to play as long as I did and you know like I said the, the more years you play the obviously the bit longer in age that those you know some of the guys yeah. that you played against so and, but, with, and with all due respect you weren't one of the biggest guys out there no yeah and, and when you put them in comparison to the size and speed and strength of guys today equipment it seems to me Chris is not keeping up with the improvement in the actual physical specimen of football players, these guys are killing themselves out there physically, and I don't care how much they get paid. Yeah, and they're offsetting it some with, you know, I guess rules and regulations of what you can, the, the type the type of ta- tackles that you can have now. I mean, uh, they pretty much eliminated kickoffs, I mean, just by mm-hmm. moving the ball up, and pretty much everyone's taking on the 25, and you see very – those are the hits when a guy runs 40 yards down the field full speed using his helmet as a, as a weapon – you know they they're trying that they're you know sometimes I think it's over overboard on some of the rules, but they have um limited i guess the the aggression or the the physicality of the football as it was years ago or are are containing it like, I'm totally cool with i don't I don't want them to ever not stop kicking off the football because that's you're messing with something that's integral to the game. Don't go to this x f l you know get nine points if you, you know, well you're also but, a kicker but yeah well i mean we would be eliminated but but in, in a lot of ways chris there's ways to 
to protect and be a purist in some sense and allow the aggression to really be taken out on first down, second down, third down, fourth down, rather than like you, you know, you said like like 50-yard just collisions taking place. Yeah, I mean, the defenseless you know, receiver, they've taken that rule out. I mean, you can't touch a quarterback, and especially in the NFL, if you touch a quarterback. Bob, Bob, a, Bob is in favor of quarterbacks being touched. Is that right, Bob? <laughs> well, Patrick uh, Mahomes you can't even look not, at. So, so I'm, yeah. glad you, I'm glad you segued. I'm fixing to put you on the spot, Chris. Kelly and I okay. are convinced that the league gives every break to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I thought it was on display pretty badly Monday night. Is that our imagination, or do you think that, do you think throughout the history of the NFL there have been teams and quarterbacks at certain times that tended to get more breaks from the officials than, say, the average guy? Or is that just the imagination of fans like Kelly and I? Roger Goodell listens to this show like very actively, so we don't want to mess with your NFL retirement, Chris. I, as a purist and someone who played ten years in the NFL, I would hope not. Does it does it show itself on TV? Yes. I mean, did, did Tom Brady get better treatment than other quarterbacks when it comes to Hello. hits? Or did the tackles? Saints get robbed in the, in yeah. the NFC I mean, Championship so, game? Yeah. You know, and you would like to think that the the game's moving so fast that a referee doesn't have time to think about that. He just he's reacting to what he sees. And as a purist, I'm going to you know believe that. But yes, great players get better calls look at the nba i mean i mean look watch lebron james play i mean he's going to get the benefit of a call versus somebody that's you know doesn't bring as much money to the table you mentioned reggie white who was the greatest player that you ever played against the greatest or you could say top two top two um you know Strahan was very good. I mean, like, we played the Giants a good bit, and I, just something about him. I, I, I think I may have mentioned this before. that There's some guys you play against, and they could be really good players, but they're just something you're comfortable playing against them, and you yeah. had good games and didn't bother you. Then all of a sudden there's guys that line up across of you, and it's like you dread every time they call a play to your side. It's just like, oh, Lord. You had to block Strahan? Had, yeah, Strahan, wow. Strahan was – he was pretty good. You know, and it, but that's just on the front. And the back end, I mean, you, talk, you got Ray Lewis. You've got, I mean – Thinking about the safeties you played against, I mean, it's a it's a long list, and there's a lot of good players in that league. Absolutely, yeah. Ray Lewis, that guy will kill you. Yeah, you're not careful. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hey, Chris, always a great pleasure, man, yeah. having you on the Eagle Hour and uh, with Magnolia hey. State Bank. And uh, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, guys. All right, great, Chris Mangum. I think one of the really fine NFL players that uh, now resides here in South Mississippi. All right, we're going to continue from downtown Laurel right after this. Stay with us. To the top. Eagle Hour continues on the lawn outside Laurel Mercantile. A couple more days till Wob Lolly here in the city of Laurel. Lauren Johnson Kelly visiting on set, bringing us yes. drinks. And uh, so 
you can in her presence now. You can tell her what you said when the uh, the train pulled in. I already told her. You already told her. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 uh, Lauren the Johnson gravy train. Yeah, it's That's not not is. an accurate statement. Anyway, <laughs> we appreciate Lauren bringing us uh, some drinks as we're out here on the yard. Happy to have joining us now the CAO and board attorney for the Jones County Board of Supervisors, Danielle Ashley, Northeast Jones Tiger. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. So yeah. getting ready for. Big event this weekend, Lob Lolly. It's always be so many people here, and in in so many ways, uh, Lob Lolly just another thing of what's going on inside Jones County. That's right. And yeah. a lot of things that the the board's got going on. And I appreciate you stopping by, and just letting us know. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. We uh, we love to see Lob Lolly come. It's a huge festival for Laurel and and obviously Jones County too. And we work with Laurel Main Street, and they're um, a big part of making this festival happen. Obviously, so happy to work with them and the EDA and uh, you know as far as the county goes we try to maintain and uh, keep going what we've got right we've got a lot of facilities a lot of roads to maintain and take care of with um, everybody's tax money so it's a it's a big job but we've got a big project in the Ellisville courthouse we're completely replacing the HVAC system down there and it's going to be about 1.5 million dollars and we've been able to use uh, the American Rescue Plan money to do that so that's a big help you don't have to use, you know, your regular tax money. It Thank helps. You. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, that's so, right. But, it, it, Kelly, it is interesting in Jones County, and we actually had a vote on this a few years ago. You know, we, we keep two courthouses, and it's it's pretty unique situation that we do here in Jones yeah. County. And is it true that dead people vote here in Jones County? I, uh, I, I hope I, that's not true. <laughs> no, that's, that is not true for the record. <laughs> yeah, but, but it is, and it, it's important when you start dealing. You talked about dealing with the uh, with the the relief money, um, the rescue plan money. It it does take double to upkeep two courthouses, but, I mean, that's the will of the people. Yeah, it does. And we're only, let's say there's 10 counties in the state that have two districts. So that's two judicial districts. So that's why we have two courthouses. But we have a tax office down there. We have our, we take garbage payments down there. You know, and the circuit clerk and chancery clerk have an office each down there. So, I mean, it's a convenience for the people of that part of the county. They don't have to travel all the way to Laurel. Now, looking at the the history of this festival, it wasn't always called Loblolly. So, so it used to be called the Main Street, Main Street Festival, Festival, right? Yeah. So I guess at some point down the line, marketing, they just said Loblolly would be a little bit more, ah, you know, more grab. What, what does the sign say? It says the yellow pine capital <laughs> of the world. See, yes, beautiful. But is, the Loblolly pine tree. The Loblolly pine tree, sure. But, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Loblolly was a particular type of pine, so I learned that. You about, learned today. Yeah, yeah, I learned about this festival. But I think, I think whoever made that decision, it was a good one because even just the discussion of the name brings attention. Yeah. To the fact that it's just different than you know a Main Street festival because it's more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, thinking about all the industries that we have here, obviously poultry is really big here. We have Howard Industries. We have. Um, you know, a lot, yeah, a lot of trucking and transportation, right? Mm-hmm. But with that, you have to think about how heavy those trucks are on the roads. And so that's where my bosses are really pressed, right? Because those heavy trucks impact the roads and bridges of the county. So, and it takes a lot of money to upkeep the roads. But I will say, this is a great point. Uh, my board this year has cut taxes every single year of this board term. So, um, that's a that's a thing that they're really proud of. 
And we're fortunate in Jones County, our assessed value has gone up every single year. It's increased every single year, which means industries are investing, you know, businesses are continuing to make improvements. And so that's really a positive thing. So we've got um, the the HVAC going on down at the Ellsville Corrals. What else board doing? About a, about a minute left just for us to be able to, to know what's going on. This is good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, just continuing to improve uh, roads and bridges all over the county. And obviously we have a um, new board term coming up in 2024. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that's our main project right now. You know, mm-hmm. near the end of a board term, you kind of see things kind of slow down because, you know, a new board's about to come in. But, um, I mean, that's the main project. We have a roofing project we just finished in Laurel. So, One, one thing, and, and you can I, speak to this where you live, too, our supervisor is always accessible. That That's one yeah, thing that absolutely. my supervisor in my beat is always yeah, accessible. Yeah, absolutely. And I did want to mention we got a grant from MDOT to do three bridges on Bush Dairy Road. Um, this is all going to be state money, ERBRF projects called Emergency Road and Bridge Funding, and um, it'll be replacing three bridges on I Bush Dairy Road. I know those three. Road. I cross them almost every day. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> yeah, so much. Yeah, be a good project. I was just going to say none of these board members could would ever do in Congress because they've you, you guys have cut taxes, cut taxes and been efficient, so there's no way any of them could <laughs> run for Congress. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 Daniel, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks, thanks, thanks for, for your time thanks today. Thanks for having me. And yeah. And uh, Lob Lolly this weekend is yeah. going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. thank you. So, uh, hey, we got a whole other hour. Yeah, but then, real quick, do you have any tips for people coming here this weekend, like where to park or anything like that? Where, in, no, in, not really. Good no. luck. Oh, good luck. Okay. <laughs> Bob, we've got a whole other hour. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Thank you, Danielle. We appreciate it very much. Uh, still to come, Aldrich Young, Ted Alexander. Lots of good stuff from downtown Laurel on a two-hour edition of Super Talk Eagle Hour. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back. Second hour of a special two-hour edition of the program from downtown Laurel. Special coverage sponsored by the Jones County Board of Supervisors, South Central Regional Medical Center, Health Fighters USA, as uh, we get ready for the Loblolly Festival. Of course, we want to thank all of our regular sponsors uh, as well that uh, promote the show and put us on the air every day. Southern Bank Corp, Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Campus Bookmark, Four Street Bar Grill, D1 and D-Bat, Mo Beignet. I could go on and on. Town and Country Cleaners, Hattiesburg's most trusted dry cleaning service, family-owned and operated since 1983. They offer services from steaming uh, to curtains, rugs, and, of course, dry cleaning. You can visit Town and Country Cleaners at their convenient location across from the USM campus on Hardy Street. The guys are in downtown Laurel. Joining us on the phone is former Southern Miss quarterback Aldrich Young, QB'd at the USM from 84 to 89, just uh, retired from a brilliant military career. And, uh, Aldrich, always good to have you back on the Eagle Hour, and welcome, sir. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, Albert, we're talking uh, earlier today about the uh, football team and the new quarterback and 
how they're making offensive line changes at Southern Miss Sunday, Saturday night, try to protect him. You, you probably know as well as anybody, you can be a really good quarterback, but if you don't have time to throw the football and you're running for your life, your life becomes much more complicated, right? That's correct, and uh, I, I, you know, that's important to have that protection so that the quarterback can do his work and be, you know, that the team can be successful. And I'm pretty sure that Coach Hall and his staff they're going to get that on track. Yeah, no question. Uh, what's it like? Uh, I don't, I don't know that you felt that a lot, but struggling like the team is now, more and more pressure on these kids every time they take the field. Or are you just able to kind of throw it off your shoulder and just get ready for the next opponent? Well, uh, to be honest, it's there, you know, but they got to stay focused on the next task, which is this weekend homecoming. And uh, I think it's an opportunity for the fan base for us to come out and support them and wear gold and just be there for them. They're going to need that support. And, of course, they're focused, but that, you know, uh, how the season has been going thus far, it is on their minds. Of course it is. All right, Luke, get in here with Albert. Well, Alric, I want to jump in here before we go to Luke. First of all, you know, your son, your son Dion played at Oak Grove, then went on to play at La Tech. And he says to this day he was three times the football player that you ever were. <laughs> you, do you care? <laughs> do you, How are you doing? Do you care to a, <laughs> it's Kelly Sanders, so you know that, Alric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kelly, how are you doing? Uh, to, be Man, totally honest, uh, to be totally honest, my, my son probably was three times the football player that I am, uh, but that's because he had good genes. So that's the there you go. <laughs> hey, and, and I know, and I know that your son works for a guy named Dre, who a lot of young people probably know beats by Dre. So, have you ever gotten to party with Dre and Bad Bunny and some of the guys out there in LA like I have? I have not, and honestly, I don't think he has. I think he just works for the company. Uh, he he does say that he gets an opportunity sometime to uh, be in some at some events where uh, some of those people are, but uh, not as far as uh, Dr. Dre and some of those uh, more yeah. uh, famous. And, and for the record, Alric Kelly doesn't either. So I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. <laughs> Hey, Alric, you feel so comfortable around you because you were his one of his favorite football players, and and he's he, he, I'm not just joking, Kelly. You've said that. Before. Yeah, I have for sure. A great family, well, great uh, great kids, and got to and see Dion in L.A. Actually, last time I was out there. That's correct, and I appreciate yeah. Kelly saying all that. But the, the honest truth is, uh, I, I was a uh, I played on the team for a couple of years, but I only started for a brief stint, but. Uh, it was a wonderful time at Southern, and I'm looking forward to uh, them turning around this season and bouncing back this weekend. Mr. Young, Luke Johnson here. Of course, uh, you being from around here, you know, and you're one of the guys I looked up to uh, when you know I, when I got ready to play for Southern Miss. I I didn't know this, uh, and I saw this story on the on Southern Miss's website. When you decided to, to go into the military and, uh, you know, with the, the National Guard, I didn't realize that, that at the time Captain Jeffrey Hammond uh, was the one that encouraged you. And I just thought it, it would be really cool for our listeners to kind of hear that. You know, this is before, you know, he, he rose to the ranks as a general and you served, you know, you just completed 29 years. I did not know that. That is an amazing story. It really is. Uh, I think when I, when 
when I originally arrived at Southern, uh, to be honest, uh, at the time, Captain Jeff Hammer had summoned me to the uh, ROTC building and uh, encouraged me to participate in military science. Uh, he thought it would be a great opportunity for me and provide another opportunity. And, uh, you know, uh, coming, you know, looking now, uh, Major General Retired Hammond uh, has, has had an outstanding career in the military, one of our military heroes. And uh, I'm just glad that he encouraged me to participate in the military uh, and have that career. It's been one of the greatest joys of my life. I did, I did want to ask you about this. There was uh, in that story it talked about how you would wear your uniform on Wednesdays and some of your, your teammates would rib you on that. Elaborate on that for us. Well, uh, they did uh, rib me some, uh, and uh, it was all in fun, but uh, they would tease and joke me about, well, you know, Rambos at practice today because I would have <laughs> on my military uniform. And, uh, they'd ask me if I had to get up and run every morning, uh, uh, most mornings with the rest of the uh, ROT, T, ROTC cadets that were in the program along with me. So it was all fun and games, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, all of those guys respect the military as well. So it was all fun and games, and I, I just appreciate those guys and that opportunity. Eric, when you were playing, it was pretty much a one-back set. You know, Big Nasty was the head coach, Jim Carmody, and the game has evolved a little bit. Now the NIL stuff coming on with, with all the changes that you've seen in college football since you've played. Is there a reason for optimism, or is the game as we know it gone forever? I, I would like to be hopeful because I'm an optimistic guy. It's just hard to understand with all the new rules and how much the game has changed, you know, how it's going to affect uh, the players the game in the long run, you know, when, when I was in college, like a lot of other guys, and I went to Southern Miss, you know, when I originally went there, there was a commitment to finish out that, those five years of my career at Southern Miss. And I just think that when guys have the opportunity to, uh, because they don't like something to transfer to another school, or I know that there's some unique situations sometimes where, uh, guys feel like they need to transfer for an opportunity, but I, I'm just not sure how this is going to play out in the long run. I'm optimistic and hope and hopes that it will work out in a positive manner. But like I said, I'm a little uh, not sure at this point. Yeah, Alric, I, I believe that the game of college football today, generally speaking, is a little softer game uh, than the era that you played in. Would you agree with that or think that I'm wrong? I, I, I tell you what, uh, I don't know that I would say that. I wouldn't want some of these newer guys who are bigger, faster than I am to come after me. So <laughs> I'm going to leave that question alone. Well, I've seen you now. You're pretty big yourself. <laughs> right, Kelly? I mean, I don't think Alwork's no guy you're going to push around Yeah. Yeah, and I was saying when he was in his military uniform, I'm sure you know he wasn't anybody to be, be no, messed with. I'm no, sure it was yeah, just but, but, friendly. But ribbing. these guys, these younger guys, and that are playing ball right now, they're probably twice as fast as I am. So I don't think I'll be able to get away from them. Yeah, I, I guess what I meant by that is the style of play. It was much more running the football up the middle of the field, 
seemed like a much more defensive game. People were were not spread all over the field, so more contact in the middle of the field, that sort of thing. It, it was, and, 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 you know, they had different rules back then. But as Kelly said, you know, of course, uh, during some of my time, and which Kelly is well familiar with, Coach Jim Carmody was there. So, you know, the nasty bunch and, you know, being an aggressive, nasty defense, that was just – that was just part of the team then. So, of course, it's a little bit different. I know that, uh, they, you know, they're trying to regain that reputation and all, and I think that that's going to come. They're going to continue to improve and get that. Right. Well, Alec, you were a great part of Southern Miss football history, and uh, this is not your first time on the Eagle Hour, but I want you to know you're welcome anytime. And uh, congratulations on uh, your military career, and, uh, and thank you, sir, very, very much for your time today. Well, thank you all for having me, and make sure that you uh, make sure to keep Kelly in line. Well, we work on it daily, Alric. Uh, it's a, it's a we we need the military job. to do that, Alric. Yeah, it's the yeah. only way that'll happen. Thank you, my friend. We next time, Alric. Yeah, next time thank I'm you. in L.A., man, with bad with bad bunny and Dr. Dre, man, we'll we'll call you up. Yeah. Okay, you do yeah. that. Yeah, wait on that call. Good talking to you all. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Bad bunny. Uh, you're mistaking that with the Easter bunnies that you buy every year. Am I right about that, Kelly? Bob, you just, I'm telling you, man, you need to listen to some is bad tr- bunnies. Is it got true, some new is stuff it true you buy those things and eat them? Is that what you do with the Easter bunnies? Cook no, not them? the chocolate bunnies. I'm talking bad oh, bunny now. Bad like I bunny. said, he's got, oh, some oh, new, he's got some new stuff dropping, babe. you gotta, you got to listen to that. <laughs> just, I don't know what he's talking about. I have no idea either, Luke. We'll be right back. <laughs> Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back. I want to thank Our Young for uh, that segment. It was a great conversation with him. Played behind Brett Favre. He was a big, strong, really good player. Uh, playing time, I guess, limited to some degree because of who played in front of him. But nevertheless, a great player and a big member of uh, Southern Miss football history. Ted Alexander is no stranger to our program. He's the play-by-play voice of Old Dominion University, the Monarchs, two and three on the season, coming into the Rock Saturday night, facing a one and four Southern Miss team. And uh, Ted, uh, this is—I uh, hate to use an old cliche, but this is kind of a must-win game uh, for both schools. What uh, what is the mindset of the Monarchs uh, at two and three and headed to Hattiesburg? Well, if you could only uh, have games be 40 minutes instead of 60, we might have a different record. Uh, It's been a lack of consistency for 60 minutes. Played really well at times and played horribly at other times. And it's ended up with uh, a uh, 24-7 lead blown against Wake Forest, a 21-3 lead blown against uh, uh, Marshall last week. So you show that you can play with those guys, but you just don't do what's necessary to win. you got to put together all those pieces to get a victory, and we haven't done that this year. Yeah, a sports writer on the show earlier said that the Monarchs, one of the things that had plagued them uh, was offensive line pass blocking and a lot of sacks of your quarterback. Well, the thing, interesting thing is, and, and that's certainly true, 
I mean, uh, the Monarchs, let's see, have given up 27 sacks coming into the game in Hattiesburg on Saturday night. And that was a huge storyline going into last week's game at Marshall. The Herd, on a per-game basis, were leading the nation in sacks. And they only had one. And part of that was improved play from the offensive line. Part of it was the quarterbacks unloading it quicker. Part of it was receivers running better routes. Yeah. All right, guys, get in here with Ted. Ted, let's talk about um, another aspect of the offense, one thing that that, um, we had talked about earlier in the show. At the same time, Monarchs are very explosive on offense, mainly because they've been behind the ball a little bit on first and second down. And so they're, it's strange that it sounds maybe a little more comfortable than a lot of teams with third and longs. Well, it's, it's interesting when you think about uh, the Monarchs. They have had uh, 14 touchdowns this year. Ten of them have been 30 yards or more. And that's wonderful. But against Marshall, listen to these, uh, the, these lengthy scoring drives. 49 seconds, 6 seconds, 11 seconds, 23 seconds, and 12 seconds. Longest scoring drive of the day was 49 seconds for Old Dominion. And that's wonderful, but when you aren't scoring, you need to burn a little bit more clock because the uh, time of possession was all wacky and your defense is on the field an awful lot and it can lead to problems. Well, when you look at your Old Dominion roster, Ted, I think some close to 70 new players on this roster. So Coach Ronnie had some chemistry. He had to be kind of a chemist in the lab to pull some of these guys together. You talked about some inconsistency, but a lot of the things that you talked about is what has been plaguing Southern Miss. So this this ought to be kind of interesting Saturday night, both teams suffering from lack of consistency. Oh, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens Saturday night. Never easy to play at the Rock, even if everybody's grumpy. And if everybody who's grumpy Saturday at about, what, 5.55 local time sees a couple of good plays from the Golden Eagles by about 6.15 local time, the grumpy will turn to happy, and it'll become a very difficult place to play once again. Conversely, if the Monarchs can get off to a good start, and and if the, the Golden Eagles struggle a little bit, the grumpy get grumpier, and that can lead to uh, to some success for Old Dominion. Ted, um, you know we're we're not ha- almost halfway through um, our second Sun Belt football season together, and I think you know you guys in the East, man. And I hate to bring this up, but James Madison. I mean, goodness, and and I know that's a rifle for you guys, but we're down here looking at the same situation, you know, with with South Alabama, and uh, are are you kind of like us? I mean, just looking around, saying, "Wow!" Even in year two, there is crazy amount of parity in this league. Oh, no doubt about it. And and the Dukes, you've got to take your hat off them. They've been steamrolling, and they've been having success in a whole boatload of different sports as well as football. And it's it's. You, know, you jump into the the Sun Belt, and there are no no weekends off, folks. No trips to FIU around these parts. Uh, and, and the thing is, you better bring your best every time out. I don't care if you're playing a one in four team or a four and one team. You have to play well to win in this league. And if you don't, you've got a heck of a chance of losing. Uh, Ted, tell us about this this outstanding linebacker that ODU Billy Wiles is going to have to contend with this Henderson kid. He leads the league in uh, in tackles, and he didn't have to come back to ODU this year, but did. And man, is is he showing out? What a great kid, uh, Jason Henderson. Wears number forty two. He's from Pennsylvania. He was a wrestler. He's a grinder. He understands just the game of football. He led the nation in tackling a year ago as an All-American. What did he want to get better at? He wanted to get better at tackles for loss and sacks. 
And thus far, I believe he is either at the top or near the top in the Sun Belt in tackles for loss with 10.5 thus far this this season. Leads the league in tackles once again. A great motor, always near the ball, and he's motivated his teammates to get better as well. He's just one of those those glue guys, and thank goodness we've got him back again because he's a really good player. Hey, Ted, interesting, uh, interesting analogy there with FIU. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, your second year around, what are you? What is the biggest differences you see in uh, your school competing in the Sun Belt as opposed to CUSA? There's no easy outs. I mean, it's it's now, of course, the cliche says there are literally no easy outs. You better be prepared and all that type of thing. But you knew that if you had a decent team and you were going into some of those Conference USA places, you'd have a pretty good chance to win. In the Sun Belt, you better be ready to rock and roll or else you're going to get embarrassed. And, and this, the, the quality of play is, is higher, uh, you know, not to mention the, you know, the, the, the places we go are neat and it's closer and our fans can get there and those types of things. But you, there, there are no easy outs in, in uh, the Sun Belt, and that you know, is really good when you're having success and really hard when you're trying to build. And here, you know, the, the fans have really embraced being in the Sun Belt. Uh, a lot of joy here about the conference change. Is that is that the same with your fan base? Yes, I, I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and, and just for the reasons I mentioned before, a little geographically more logical. When you have the ability for fans, even if they have to drive, you know, seven, eight hours, if they can drive to a game, that's a wonderful thing because it means rivalries build because rivalries are generated by the fans and what they see and what they experience. And when you can improve the fan experience, you can improve the rivalries. And ODU's biggest rival is? I would say at this point, uh, it's probably James Madison. Um, geographically, that works that way. Uh, in, in a lot of the sports recently, JMU's had the upper hand, but the Monarchs did for a while. I'd put them on the list. I, I'd put Marshall on there as well, uh, uh, although we haven't had much success uh, against them on the football field going 1-8. and eight. But I think, again, my definition of a rivalry is both teams have to have had success. Both teams have had to have success in the league, and the games have to mean something. And, and we're still building those in the Sun Belt, and we look forward to it. Yeah, I, I continue to be surprised at James Madison. Uh, they just seem to consistently win. What, what what do you know about them, and what do you think has led to that? I think they they uh, had perhaps a, a more organic trip to FBS. They had a lot of success at the FCS level, winning national championships and making it to a cha- championship games and that type of thing. And they had the, bro- the program built. Uh, you know, the infrastructure was right. The, the the foundation was really good, and they were ready to go. And when they were ready to go, the opportunity came up, and that matched up really nicely. And it's it's worked really well for them. Yeah. All right, Luke, you want to finish up with Ted? Yeah, Ted, I, I, let's just talk again last minute and a half we have with you. I feel like this is a must win for both Will Hall and Ricky Ronnie because we were talking about how difficult the second half of our schedule is. I mean, you look at look at ODU. You get App State at home, then you're at James Madison, Coastal at home, non-conference game at Liberty, at Georgia Southern, and Georgia State. I mean, that is a crazy brutal. back half. And Southern Miss with the same thing with Troy and South Al, and we have Mississippi State in there. I mean, it's almost like a, mo- a, a must-win for both head coaches. 
I think it's it's another definition might be best opportunity to win left on the schedule. And that means you better be ready to go. And, and if you're old Dominion and you have the lead, you better be ready to, to close. And they haven't been very good at that. And if you're Southern Miss at home and you have an opportunity, you got to seize it because, again, it looks pretty like, like pretty choppy water down the road. Yeah, no question. Ted, we, we really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. Every, t- every time we ask, uh, you're available to us. We appreciate it. Hope you guys uh, have safe travels down here, and we're looking forward to an exciting contest Saturday night with the Monarchs. Can't wait to get back down to Hattiesburg. Thanks for having me on. All right, Ted Alexander, everybody, play-by-play voice of uh, ODU. You're right. Uh, you're right, buddy. Uh, must win, Luke. I'm sitting here looking at the schedule, and after this, I, I see South Alabama, App State, Monroe, Louisiana, and Mississippi State, and then Troy. Show me where the easy weekend is. I'm not sure. There's not one. And I tell you what, I mean, this is my point there bringing it up with Ted, and we can talk more about it at the after this break. But this Monarch team is going to come in hungry because they know if they want to get to where they want to be, they got to win this game too. And they had the Marshall game all but one. Yep. But Ted mentioned they just couldn't finish it. All right, two-hour Eagle Hour from downtown Laurel. You can hear the wind blowing around the guys. Beautiful setting in downtown Laurel. They get ready for the Lob Lolly Festival. We'll be back. Talk a little more Southern Miss sports right after this. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, don't forget, you can always hear the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast no matter where you are or what time of the day it is. You can hear it on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. And we thank all of you uh, that communicate with us and, and let us know. Met a guy Saturday morning, guys, from uh, Biloxi. I was at the Midtowner with my wife and... Uh, he, uh, he heard me talking to another lady and came over, introduced himself, said he listens to the Eagle Hour every night at about 7 o'clock, and uh, we really, uh, really do appreciate that. Okay, back downtown Laurel. Uh, what's going on there, Luke? Well, we're out here on the lawn of the yard outside Laurel Mercantile. Lots of uh, tourists coming in. Uh, amazingly, Senator, nobody recognizing you. I mean, with everybody here to see celebrities? Well, they, they always think I'm Zac Efron. And I don't, I don't see it myself. We have had some people wave at him, though, haven't we? we yeah, we have. Yeah, I, IRS agents. Probably. Actually, we earlier we were showing uh, Kelly uh, all about ChatGPT and AI, and you were amazed that it actually talked about you. Well, it was. I mean, it it mentioned all the things, a it lot did. of the things that I am charming and. I did not say anything about warm. you, and it said that you had retired from being a sports director. It did say that. Yeah, it did. It it, it, did. it was amazing, but it didn't mention about my my unique fashion sense and my <laughs> you know, extreme God. good looks. <laughs> it did. Well, there was <laughs> part of AI's. There's intelligence in there, so oh, it's yeah, making correct what, observations. That's what the eyes. One of the Kelly things. <laughs> 
Well, there's also the word artificial. One yeah, of, maybe so. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, Bob, is about asking Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Alexa actually responded to Kelly when he was at the WLAU studios earlier really, today. Really, Kelly? So is that true? Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some hope. Is that true, that Kelly? I don't know what it was. It was a real high pitched scream type of shrill. So I don't, I'm not exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it happens. Anyway, all right. Um, again, Southern Miss basketball putting out today officially about uh, how Mississippi State will come on October 29th for the charity exhibition game in order to raise funds for those affected by the tornadoes in the Mississippi Delta. And, uh, Bob, pretty cool. We're playing both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And I believe uh, another one of those interviews, a guy right. that, that we look to uh, to lead the team and handle the ball a lot this year, Mo Arnold. No question. I had a chance to talk to Mo at the uh, banquet the other night. Great kid. I, I love him. He just plays at 150%. I, I mentioned that to him. And here's how it went with uh, Mo Arnold. All right, I got Mo Arnold of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. I'm a big admirer of yours, and I'm going to tell you why. Every time I watch you take the floor, I can see that you're given 150%. You're given every ounce of energy that your body can muster to help your team. Where did that come from, Mo? Um, just coming from a small place and having the opportunity to play Division One basketball, I take advantage of every moment, and I just don't take anything for granted. I know it's a blessing to be where I'm at, and... It would just be a dis- disservice for myself to go half speed and not give my all. Well, you certainly don't do that. Uh, what last year mean to you? Uh, it meant a lot. Uh, it brought, felt like a refreshment. You know, I've I played at I played here my first year. We had a terrible season, and to turn it around like that is just an amazing feeling. It always feels better to win, and now it just has more fire in me to want more and more. Like. I know we won a lot of games last season, but we the end goal, we didn't complete the end goal, so we still still hungry. So, Mo, what happened between year before last and last year? What was the secret sauce that turned everything around so? Uh, just getting guys, to, everybody to buy into the system. You know, it was, I, I say the first year, it wasn't as much as a family. Now we say La Familia, so everybody really together, and we play for each other. Nobody's really selfish. And, you know, when you have a team like that, just the main focus is to win. Everybody got each other back. So I say that's, that's And this is a team with an unusual amount of diversity and culture of different players from different countries. You American kids on the team, how, how difficult has it been, have you observed, for these other kids to come in from, from different areas of the world? And, and what role have all of you guys played in, in making them comfortable with that adjustment? Uh, I wouldn't even say it was difficult. It was actually pretty easy. Like those guys, um, those guys like are joyful guys, nice guys. You know, easy to they're actually easy to talk to. I know it's hard. You know, they they speak a different language, but their personality is amazing. You know, and um, you can learn a lot from them too. They're actually pretty smart. Like those guys are very very smart. So it was a pretty easy adjustment. Um, yeah. Well, did they did they did they play a different brand of basketball than maybe what you grew up playing? I mean, because we hear European basketball is different than American basketball. So, is is basketball from the Latin American countries any different than what you're used to doing? Uh, I would say that their IQ is probably higher than the average American because those guys like we put it on the floor a lot. They, I would say they try to score 
with just more passing and like making easy plays, you know. And um, yeah, I would say the IQ part, like they're they're very smart in that aspect. All right, are you expecting Coach Cardona to calm down any this year? Oh no, nah, not at all. I, I expect him to go even crazier. <laughs> Have you ever seen a man sweat through a suit like he does? No, no, no. He look like he playing with us, like he in the game. <laughs> Well, as I told you at the start of the conversation, I really have great admiration for the effort you put out, and I'm not, I am not—I don't think we're going to see anything less from you this year, are we? Not at all. You, I, I'm trying to give more. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to do my part on the defensive end, but I'm looking to add more on the offensive as well. Like, I, I, Things haven't been going my way, and I got so much more for people to see, so I'm looking forward to showing people. Well, we're glad you're here, man, and the best of luck to you in the new season. Thank you so much. All right, Mo Arnold. Guys, I can't really – I really couldn't emphasize enough how much I enjoyed being around those kids uh, last week. Just Mo Arnold, just another great example. And, Kelly, I do have some breaking news. You saw the picture of my wife with the two post players. Coach Ladner has reached out to her, and there are some negotiations underway. I think she has two years of eligibility, and uh, you may see her in the post a little bit as well this year. Uh, I, with, if those two guys are playing, I don't think you would see her in the post, even if she was in the lineup. Uh, <laughs> no, they're really that, big. By the, they're really big. By, by the, and by the way, for anybody that, uh, that that hasn't already asked us this question, if you happen to see that picture of uh, Angela Getty, with the, that, that picture with the two centers was not photoshopped no. i can attest the fact it was not photoshopped there she's and, she, and she's not like a small small woman she's an no. average sized woman she's yeah fine. she's average height yeah she's so, five i tell you tall. what i mean that 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 looks like two bodyguards i mean you know protecting the queen of england or something that was absolutely amazing more there's a lot of expectations yeah, yeah a lot of expectations on this team bob this year yeah mo arnold's a great kid and he does really just play with with great great passion i don't know guys I, I mean i look at last year's team and i know they lost a couple of key pieces but you look at the guys they've brought in and and the guys that they've got coming back and kelly i think you and i talked about this yesterday i'd like to get luke's uh, view here i think this team has the potential to be even better than last year's team luke well, I mean, it's the same thing, though. I mean, we play some really good teams up front. And, uh, you know, with football, we said we might actually, you know, have a little more talent and, and a little more chemistry, and yet the results might not show as much, you know. And so for basketball, it's going to be interesting to see how this non-conference goes. And it'll be interesting to see, particularly against Mississippi State, whether both coaches really play it hard you know i mean it's a charity game but i mean you start looking at a few of these teams that that we play early and then it you know culminates in december you're going to know like late november with this non-conference schedule um where they're at and where we're at in order but i do think kelly that the the non-conference the hard non-conference really prepares us for the conference and really when you compare successful seasons in the landscape of football and the landscape of basketball completely different yeah in football you don't have to win the conference to go to a bowl game. Right. And most people would say if you go to a bowl game, that's a successful year, right? But in basketball, and, and we talked about this a little in bit the sun, yesterday, yeah. you have to win the tournament in order to go to the big dance. I don't think that's fair. I don't think you should have to do that. But at least for the time being, that's the way it has to be. You know, So in order for people to consider it to be a great season, you have to make the big dance. And with so much of the, the bigs graduating – 
you've got a whole lot of experience at the guard position. But you're going to have to see some of these post players like grow up really fast. They're going to have to impact the game fast. At least to know that the Eagles have that element inside that they could implement. All right, so that the you, that the defense can't just focus on one area. Yeah, you know, that you're more well-rounded that way. All right. So, and when you say grow, I guess you mean, you know, playing. I, I hope they don't grow physically much more <laughs> because I don't I don't know that they'd allow them to play if they got much bigger. Have we ever had two yeah, players this seven big? Foot. They on the roster. I'm not sure that we will have. Two, two guys this this that that play as often as they are planned to play. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, we maybe had one seven footer here or there. I don't remember one. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we had the Belton kid, but he never he never played redshirted. You know, and then you look at last year, we had a six nine and a six eight that contributed a lot. But if you know these two guys play a lot, I mean, you may see a seven foot and a six eleven. You know, on the floor, maybe at the same time occasionally. That's crazy. Going to wrap up this two-hour edition of the Eagle Hour from beautiful downtown Laurel right after this. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment today of a special two-hour Eagle Hour. We are live on the yard outside Laurel Mercantile in downtown Laurel. Looking forward to the Loblolly Festival, first Saturday of October. And happy to be joined now from Laurel Main Street, Caroline Burke. How are you today? I'm great. How are y'all? And so because you won't sleep, over the next 72 <laughs> to 96 hours, are you ready for Lob Lolly? I think we're about as ready as we can be at this point. So thanks for, for hopping on today. Let's just, uh, Kelly was, was asking during the commercial, what, about 16 years we've called it this. It was previously the Main Street Festival. Good call, Kelly. Glad, glad they changed the name. To, yes. Your whole point was what, to spotlight the Lob Lolly Pine? Yes, but just the name Lob Lolly. For anybody that doesn't know that it's a pine tree, it's, it certainly is a name that would, would somebody would ask, what, what, how did they get that name? What is it? Well, that gets we, gets the subject. We, we pointed him up. to the uh, to to the uh, home of the Yellow Pine capital of the world. So exactly. Then we, yes. we taught him something. He's not from here. It's also so. a great tongue twister. So you know, lob lolly. There we go. <laughs> All right, tell us about the festival. All kinds of stuff going on. We've heard there's over 200 vendors. Yes, um, we are hovering between probably 225, 250 vendors between all of our general vendors and then our activities, our food vendors. Um, so it's going to be a jam-packed day. Every square inch of downtown is covered. Um, we will have folks lined up probably starting at 5 a.m. Saturday morning. We usually do. Um, but the festival itself starts at 9 um, and will run until 4. So you can come out, shop, eat, play, um, listen to great local live music all day. 
Um, so it's always my favorite day in downtown Laurel. One of the things that probably has you sweating bullets, Caroline, is the weather forecast each year. Always, right? always. And this year you get the, you get the word that it's going to be bright sunshine and 74 degrees or whatever it is. Man, you couldn't if if that holds, it couldn't be any better than that. I mean, sometimes it, I think this year we're we're due because chilly rained out, crawfest rained out. So I mean. If Loblolly can just be sunny and pleasant, I feel like it'll be a good year. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. A, it should be what in the low fifties uh, when people are getting out of here. You're getting out of here at five a.m., Kelly, because you're apparently now in the capitalistic business. You're gonna be hauling people. Yeah, I said as 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 premium as parking is gonna be down here. <laughs> you know, get some golf carts. If they're gonna be parking at Sawmill Square Mall, you get. You know, full-figured people like me that don't want to walk that far. If Kelly Sander, put him in a if golf you cart. see Kelly Sander, run away on the morning of Bob Light. All right, so one thing we did wanted to highlight uh, for people out there, obviously lots of stuff for adults, but there is an expanded kids area this year. Yes, so we actually have two kids areas this year. Um, we normally do, but they've both grown a little bit. So up by the courthouse, you'll have, you know, the same jumps, swings, kind of the fair rides you're used to seeing, um, pony rides, and then we'll have um, an animal rescue here that will have some, exotic animals um i i've heard of a lot of reptiles i'm not entirely sure what all they're bringing but um it'll be great and then face painting that kind of thing um and then down by between the night butcher and magnolia state bank that's where you'll find the stuff for kind of the big kids the mechanical bull the jousting um those bigger games to i mean big kids and big kids at heart you know one one of the big uh, exhibits that people really like is uh, the chainsaw artistry. Yes, uh, Dayton Scoggin is a master, and he will be back this year. He'll be located um, at the end of North Magnolia Street, next to Patinas, in kind of that one section of uh, the block. And he will be carving all day, and you can purchase uh, his carvings there as well. And Caroline, I hear too that you're going to be selling tickets, and that one lucky winner will get to actually vote for Speaker of the House. Is that true? Yes, and um, I need to get with you about that, so you'll be collecting those. <laughs> we we should mention um, it's free. Yes, that is a huge thing about this festival. We want it to be accessible to everyone, so it is a free festival. Um, you know, if you're purchasing goods or food, that's not. But as far as just no showing up, fee, right. enjoying the music, the atmosphere, that is all free. We are out here on Front Street at the yard, and and uh, if Heather Brown explained it to me right, or if I understood her explanation, stage is going to be right here. Music stage is going Correct. to be right down here. The, the very end of West Oak Street where it meets Speck Wilson, um, we will have our stage set up there, and we have a lineup of all local live music for the day um thomas jackson will kick us off followed by jones and pine attic revival and then stephen wade scott and the low spirits attic revival michael tress casey butts that whole crew so be excited to to hear them and yeah that's the thing about it we're showing off the city we're showing off the county um there will be vendors from the outside not not just tourists from the outside but there'll be all kinds of people descend on City Beautiful this weekend. Yes, we have vendors. Um, I mean, scrolling through our vendor list, I've seen it. we've got people coming from Florida, from Georgia, from Alabama, all over the southeast. Um, I know we have visitors that have reached out to us from all over the country. I mean, people have planned their vacations to be down here for this event. So it's crazy. Your <laughs> most rewarding aspect of being part of Laurel Main Street with Loblolly? Um, getting to see how many people discover downtown through this event because there's always people and i mean i own a store in downtown too so i see it from both sides like there are always people that 
show up at this event, find a new store, a new um, area, and get so excited about it because they've never seen it before. Good stuff. Bob, it's going to be fun. Oh, it's always fun. Always fun to be in Laurel as well. We want to thank everybody for making it possible for us to be down there today. Hellfighters USA South Central Regional Medical Center. And, of course, the uh, Jones County Board of Supervisors really do appreciate the, appreciate that. Jeremy McLean on the Super Talk Eagle Hour tomorrow. Luke and Kelly will have that. Until then, everybody, thanks for having us in Laurel. Thanks for listening today. And Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.